You are listening to a teaching series from Jubilee Church entitled, How to Be Rich. Most Americans are rich by both worldly and historical standards. This series explores what would happen if everyone lived based on the vision the Bible gives to those who are rich. If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Well, today we're going to uh, start a new series uh, called How to Be Rich. Let me just ask you, how many here would say they're rich? Like, you're just financially rich. Like, you're just, whoa, like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, whoa, hold on a second. Like, what do you, can't even believe he asked that question. Um, which is strange, because, like, nobody, nobody, it's like, I got a muscle pain there. Nobody, um, nobody thinks of himself as rich, which is always kind of strange to me. You know what I mean? Like, if, 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 if uh, you're tall, like, you know, over six foot, like, if you, someone say, hey, you're, are you tall? You'd be like, yeah, I'm tall. Or, you know, if you're short, yeah, yeah, I'm short. Or, you know, are you, are you athletic? Yeah, I'm okay, I'm a little athletic or artsy or whatever. Or, um, you know, but it's like, you know, are you rich? Like, nobody thinks of themselves as rich. And we all know people who are rich, of course. And uh, we know people who do rich poorly. Uh, they're, they're a bad rich. And we're th- we always think, well, if I was ever rich, you know, I wouldn't be like that. I would be na 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 na, and that's how I would be. Uh, but but the problem is, is nobody knows. This is why no one no one thinks of himself as rich because we don't feel rich because no one really knows where the rich line is. I mean, if you you could be uh, one day you could get a raise and you could cross into the rich line and you don't even know that. And and so now you're in the rich land and you don't even know that you're rich and you don't know how to be rich. Or maybe you get an inheritance or a bonus at work or something like that. And how do you be rich? Uh, and, but nobody knows if they're rich and what's the standard? Well, here's the good news. Gallup is going to help us. Gallup, their company, our group of people that do surveys. And uh, they're, they're going to they, they did some surveys and what did it mean to be rich? And so they asked all kinds of people and they grouped them up. And so they got all the $30,000 earners together and they said, hey, what does it mean to be rich? And what $30,000 earners said, 74000 If you make $74,000, you are rich. And then they asked, uh, they grouped up all the uh, $50,000 earners. And they said, who is rich? Well, People who make $100,000 are rich. But I bet you if you were to ask people who make $100,000 if they're rich, they may or may not say that. And then they kind of grouped everyone together. And the average American says, if you make $125,000 a year, you are rich. And then they asked the highest earners. And they said, if you have $5 million in the bank... Then you're, because if you have five million dollars in the bank, it's not hard to earn two hundred fifty, two hundred two hundred fifty thousand dollars off the interest. And if you if you can do that, then you are rich. Uh, now, if you take this internationally, it gets even more interesting. If you make eleven thousand five hundred dollars, which is uh, the government, the federal government has set the poverty line for one per. So if you are uh, 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 one person in your household, you're the only person in your household, you make $11,500 uh, or more, you are in the top 15%. Um, you are in the top 15% in the world. Uh, you are richer than six of the seven billion people in the world if you are at the poverty level as an individual in this country. Um, if you make $37,000 or more, you crack the top 5% wealthiest in the world. 
92% of the world doesn't have a car. If you make $45,000 a year, which is the median income in Missouri, you are in the top 1% of the wealthiest people in the world, the richest people in the world. Zimbabwe is the second uh, poorest country over the last five years, and they make somewhere between four or five hundred dollars a year. And if you were to, um, uh, if, if somebody from rural Zimbabwe was to come to the United States and go back and try to explain it to their friends, it would be uh, interesting for them. There, someone said, hey, you know, what was America like? Well, it's really nice, but they treat money way different. Really, how is it different? Well, uh, they have a lot of extra Really, they have extra money, really. What do they do? Well, they, they take it to this building called a bank, and that's kind of where they put all their extra, their, all their extra money. Yeah, and they, and they have extra food, extra food, really. Yeah, they have this switch by their sink that when they flip it, they put all their extra food into this, and the, and the sink eats it. And it's like, and they, and they, and they like 25% of, of the food in America isn't eaten by them. It's eaten by the sink. It's crazy. It's different. Um, and then they, in their houses, they have extra rooms, like, like basements and attics, where they, where they store all their extra stuff um, that they need. And, and around 65, they stop working. Really, they stop working. Why do they stop working? Well, because they, they, they retire. They, well, how do they eat? Well, they, have, they save up extra money uh, for retirement and it, you know it causes them a lot of stress and so it's just how they it's how they are and in their homes they have rooms for just their clothes and you can like walk in to these rooms and it's crazy because even some of the women will go into these rooms and they'll be like I don't have anything to wear and they don't but they have all these clothes around them and um, man they're just they have so much extra stuff but of course those of us who live in America um, we have a, 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 a different perspective, and we don't feel very rich. And I, I know we, we live uh, near here, and just I, I, I don't think I'm rich. I, I never would think, say that I'm rich. I think we live, it seems like we live, you know, modestly, and, you know, our house seems average. But I remember being younger, and uh, I grew up in a family of six and in the 80s, and the 80s were called the decade of excess. And, uh, but I have no idea what we're talking about because I didn't experience any excess. I mean, just, I don't know, maybe other people did, but it wasn't excess for us. And so we, we weren't, we, we weren't poor, but we definitely, definitely weren't, uh, didn't have extra. And, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, growing up just in, I always shared it, uh, a room with at least one person and it usually was three or four of my brothers and sisters. And, um, if, and, now I look at our house and we have, we use three, we have four bedrooms and we use three of them. So we have a room that like nobody really uses. And, and I can just imagine like being a kid, like back then and be like, nobody's using that room. I'll, I'll use it or send one of two or three of the other ones in there or something like well, we, so if I would have, if I, you know, 11-year-old Brian looking at 39-year-old Brian and live, if, if I saw someone living in the house that we live in now when I was a kid, I'd be like, those guys are rich. Those guys are rich. And uh, I know I was talking to my wife about this yesterday and she, uh, she, was, she probably lived in circumstances um, uh, poorer than, than we were and, and she just talked about 
how she would just think about like what it would be like to have you know multiple uh, articles of clothing and have a closet full of clothes and and uh, now she has a closet full of clothes but she she would say she doesn't feel rich but here here's the truth I'm rich she's rich how many here would say they're rich yeah here, here's why that's important in, in fact on your communication card why don't you go ahead and grab that out we're going to get we're going to get started early today um, just to admit that you're rich so you know what? I'm going to admit that I'm rich because here's the thing because if you don't admit that you're rich when the Bible uh, talks about uh, how to be rich and co- you're going to think that it applies to someone else you're going to think, this is for someone else. This isn't for me. Uh, but if you live in America, uh, even if you don't even have a job, but just the fact that you live in America and you have access to what we have access to, um, the, the reality is, uh, by world standards and historical standards, we're rich. So we need to see that, um, uh, that we're rich. And so Paul is, comes to, uh, in, in, if you have your Bibles, to First um, Timothy uh, six, seventeen. We're going to go. We're going to read the second section first. But let me get there. Um, in verse seventeen, he says, "As for the rich in this present age, charge them, charge them. You have to say something to the rich. So I've got a job to do. So this is Paul. He's talking to a young uh, pastor named Tim. Actually, we're probably the same age, Timothy and I, at this point. Paul's in prison." Uh, that's, that was the retirement plan back then for pastors is that you preached until you went in prison and then you retired. And so now he's in retirement and he's, he's talking to, um, he's talking to this young pastor and he says, Hey, I want to tell you, I want you to charge people how to be rich. He doesn't say, I want you to rebuke them for being rich, which is interesting. We'll get into that someday because I want you to help them how to be rich. By the way, just, this is a, a message on how to be rich not how to get rich. Okay? We're, this isn't that kind of sermon. We're not that kind of a church. This isn't how to get rich. We're already rich. And here's the thing. Is that uh, there, there's a day coming um, where, where God is going. We're, we're going to come before. Uh, we're going to come before God. And, and he's going to ask us what we did uh, with what he gave us. Um, and I want, us, I want to be ready for this day, and I want you to be ready for this day, and Paul wants you to be ready for this day, and he's telling Timothy, hey, the people that you lead, make sure that they're ready. Make sure that they know how to be rich. So he says, uh, as for the rich in this present uh, age, this 80-year window, okay, so this is this talking about, you know, th- those in this life. How many know that what happens in this life doesn't necessarily what means what you'll have in the next life? So he says, those in this present age, charge them not to be haughty. Now, uh, haughty doesn't mean attractive. It doesn't mean uh, teach them not to be uh, that way, but it means to be proud, to, to, to do rich well. One of the things to do rich well is you can't be proud about it, mean, meaning like you don't get your security from it. It's not where you get your joy from, your satisfaction, like this what is what makes me me. This is what makes me have security. Uh, and then he expands on that idea when he says, nor set your hope on the uncertainty of riches. And I come from the world of economics and finances. That was my degree in college, and I was a broker. Um, for uh, six or seven years, and the only thing certain about finances is uncertainty. 
That's the only thing that's certain about it. It just, it goes up and it goes down and, you know, like, what, you know, oh my gosh, the, you know, my house is not worth, yeah, that happens. Uh, oh, my, my income, yeah, that happens. My income went up. Yeah, it goes up and it goes down, it goes up and goes down. That's how it works. Uh, but so don't, just on kind of, this is kind of like common sense. Like, hey, don't put your hopes in what is the uncertainty of riches. Don't put your trust there. Don't put your faith there. But he says uh, to put your hope or your trust on, on God. And so, uh, this is just kind of, Jesus kind of said the same thing. So remember that, that teaching he had in, in Matthew 7? He said that there, there are two ways to live. One is that you build your life upon, you, you build your world around, um, you, you build your house upon sand. And, and sand is uncertain. And so, because when, when the storms come, not if they come, but when they come, and they always come, when they come, if you build your life on sand, you know, your house is going to go away. Uh, or you can build your life upon a rock. And so when the storms come, uh, when the wind blows, you don't move because you are built on the rock. And that is building your life on me and my teaching. So this is what it says. Hey, look, one of the ways that you need to be rich, this is how you be rich, don't set your hope on it, which means that you don't org- your, organize your life around money. Your finances do not determine where you work. Your finances do not determine where you live. Your finances do not determine what you do with your time. Actually, with the way that God wants you to live, he wants you to live free of that. He wants you to be free to do whatever he wants you to do, to live wherever he wants you to live, to work wherever he wants you to work. That's why Jesus says you cannot serve God in money. You'll, you'll either you know, hate the one and love the other, or you'll love, you know, uh, hate this one and love this one. So God says, go this way, but Visa says, go that way. You know, you can't serve both. You've, so don't set your hope. Don't organize your life around what you do for uh, a living. What, uh, you know, the kind of house that you want to have. Don't, don't build your life around those things. But then it says this, but put your hope Put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything. Now, I want you to underline that in your Bible. Go ahead, do it right now. Or underline it, uh, uh, God who richly provides us with everything. Underline it, circle it, highlight it. Underline it in your neighbor's Bible. Do, make sure that this is written down. Make sure you don't forget. This is the most important thing that you could ever read when it comes to, to money. There, there are three things we're going to say over the next two weeks. The way that you can be rich is that you need to view, you need to view finances vertically, you need to spend carefully, and you need to give generously. So the first way we're going to look at is that you have to see money vertically. Um, to do rich well, you have to see that God is the source of everything. Uh, you bring nothing to the equation. Nothing, absolutely nothing. The reason why that you are alive, the reason why you have breath is that it comes from God. The reason why that you, uh, uh, so like you did not choose to be born in America. You did not say before you were born, God, I will take safety, comfort, wealth, please. Thank you very much. You did not choose that. He chose that for you. And he didn't choose it for somebody else. Well, I work hard for what I have. The energy, the ambition that you have, it comes from God. Well, I studied. The, abil- the intellect that you have comes from God. Well, I'm just savvy. I kind of know how to connect. You know, I'm just kind of, that comes from God. 
everything that you have. James 1, every perfect gift from the Father comes from the Father above. We live in a mythical world where the titles on our homes and our cars have our names on it. It's just not true. Every, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the cattle. He owns the hills. He owns, he owns the world and everything therein. It all comes from him. So because everything belongs to God and he decided to richly provide you with all these things. Is that the, what, so he's the owner and the Bible says that we are what's called a steward. Now you need to know what a steward is. Because to be rich well, you need to understand that your role in the riches that are in your possession is that you are meant to steward them. That, that, and so Paul so helpfully says this in uh, 1 Corinthians 4.1. You can read this later. He says that you know, he owns the field and we're just workers in the field. We're stewards of this field. We're, we're servants. And servants and stewards need to be found faithful. And so he goes on to say, like, I don't really care what other people think about how I should spend my my life. I don't really care what I think about how I should spend my life because it's the Lord who judges. Paul lived with this awareness that at the end of the day, uh, that, that the things that are in our possession, we are just stewards of them. And so if you act like a steward, it means that you spend your money based upon what he wants you to do, not what you want to do. Um, that you spend money uh, for his interest and not your interest. So just practically, I mean, just, I just, so you could be rich well. Have you asked God for permission to live the way that you're living? Well, why would I do that? Because it's not, it's not your money. It's his money. If he was to settle up accounts with you today, could you tell him how you spend his money? Could you do that? Over and 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 over again and again and again and again and again and again. Jesus says, I put something in your possession and I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving forever. I'm coming back. And when I come back, I want to hear how you did, what you did with the money. This is why I think you should spy on your money. You should follow it around. You should see where it goes and you should keep track of everything. You should do what's called a budget. Um, say it with budget. Yeah. Um, and you need, to try, you need to be knowing where your money be going. And you need to know... Um, when I was, and here's why, because you're a steward. When I was a financial advisor, I was a custodian of... I had millions of dollars under management. And uh, it wasn't my money. But I, I was responsible for stewarding it. And uh, I would do quarterly and annual reviews. And every time I sat down with a client, one of the first questions, and rightly so, was how did you invest the money and why did you invest it that way? What I never said is like, you know what, I don't really know. I, you know, I just, I'm not really good at keeping track of stuff and it's not really my personality. And I just kind of like, if I see something that's kind of cool, I'd go for it. That's kind of how I do things. And uh, that, that doesn't go very well. In fact, um, I won't bore you with the details, but I, if I did that in that world, I, I would be fined by the government agencies and maybe thrown in prison uh, for, for treating somebody else's money that way. 
Um, but what I did is when I got together with clients, I had statements. I had charts and graphs and explanations of just exactly what I did with the money and why I did with the money and, and how it all worked out. Why did I do that? Because I'm not the owner of it. I'm a steward and I'm accountable to that person for how I spent it. Have you, have you allowed that reality to, to rest on you? If you want to do rich well, you'll view it vertically. God is not kidding around. Luke 16, 11 through 12, Jesus says, If you have not been faithful in unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you with true riches? How many know that there, is, there are greater riches than the riches of this world? Who, who here believes that? You believe that? This is what Jesus says. Because this life, this is an 80-year window. Uh, this life is here and gone. And this life is like, um, it's like an audition. It's a, the money that you have, it's a test. It's a, it's, it's, they're, they're, it's a test for much, much greater riches. And Jesus says, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to true riches? If a client came to me and I didn't do very well with $5,000, what makes me think I will, they'll give me $5 million to manage? Well, I wouldn't think that. Well, why do you think that? And if you've not been faithful in which is another's, who will give you which is not your own? There's an underline again. It's not your money. All of the things that you have in your possession is not yours. It's a test. Money's not bad. It's not good. It's a test. I want, I want to help us know how to be rich. One of the ways to be rich is you, you view it vertically. You view it vertically. Um... Okay, so I think it's the second one. Um, so we'll read on. So God richly provides us with everything. Now check this out to enjoy. Now, I don't know if this surprised you, but it surprises me. Like I, do, I would have expected it to say something like, uh, you know, don't put, your hope in, uh, don't put your hope in riches, but put your hope in God who's more awesome than that. Who's better, which is true. But he doesn't say that. He actually says that we, one of the things that we should do with the riches that he has decided to give us is that we should enjoy it. Um, If you're rich, which we've established we all are, God wants you to be, God wants you to be, he is designed for you to be rich for a reason. And one of those reasons, believe it or not, is to actually enjoy it. Uh, Ecclesiastes 5.19 says, Everyone also to whom God has given wealth, possessions, and power to enjoy them, to accept his lot in life. Oh, well, I'll take it, I guess. And then rejoice in his toil, that is work. This is a gift of God. The Bible doesn't say it's wrong to enjoy what this material world has to offer. It doesn't say that. It all comes from God. It's everything that he gives to us. So we, we've established, he, we didn't earn this money. He gave it to us. And he gave it to, this is a, this is a, it's a good thing. Uh, it's not wrong to have things. It is wrong to, for things to have us. It's not wrong to enjoy things, but it is wrong to forget where the enjoyment comes from. That's what the Bible is going to say. And we need to know the difference. It's okay to enjoy things. It's okay to have things. It's not okay for things to have you. It's okay to enjoy things. It's not okay to forget where that enjoyment comes from. God does not want you to feel guilty about the riches that you have. But what he does want, he does want you to be grateful. 
He doesn't want you to forget. And this is where we get messed up. We get messed up because we go from one extreme to the other. Is that, so in, in, in Romans 1, um, it, it, it talks about two groups of people. One worship God. They, they knew the truth and they worship God in line of that truth. And another group of people suppressed that truth. And it says that they did things that, that ought not be done. And one of the things that they did is that they worshiped, created things and didn't worship the creator. Now, what it's saying is it's not bad to like enjoy um, what God gives us. It doesn't, it's not, it's, he wants us to enjoy his creation. I mean, it, it does say how awesome God is, but the psalmist also says in Psalm 139, 14, how marvelous are your works. God, you're awesome, and your stuff is awesome too. And what's supposed to happen is God wants us to enjoy um, the cars that we have. He wants us to enjoy new carpet and chocolate cake and all of that stuff. But what we need to do is when we receive this, we don't, we don't chase after these things in an end of themselves, but we receive them and we quickly remember, this doesn't come from me. This comes from God. And that enjoyment rolls up into worship. But where we go wrong is that we, we enjoy things and we make that the center. So it's, so God's like, I gave you this stuff to enjoy so that you remember how awesome I am. But you, you're making it about my stuff. And so that's where we go. But he wants us to enjoy this stuff that we have. Uh, the Bible does not promote asceticism. Asceticism is where we get too little enjoyment out of, and we do that, the, 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 correct, the actual definition of asceticism is to avoid all forms of indulgence. In order to have a stronger relationship with God. It's just not the way. We're, we're not for that. Uh, the Bible isn't for that. The Bible doesn't say that you should avoid all forms of indulgence. You know, people have like in Christianity like, you know, uh, the dirty dozen and the, and, the, and the filthy five. And just all the, you know, you don't, you don't do this, you don't do that, and you don't do this. You know. and, and, and it's clear in the scriptures, if you read through Colossians 2, it just talks about like all those rules and regulations, they don't help anything. Um, and, and the Bible is going to encourage us over and over again to, to not make uh, this life with God about rules. And if I just follow the rules, then I'll have a great relationship with God. Uh, no, good re- no relationship does well based upon rules. There's no relationship out there where it gets better and better and better the more rules that you have. What, what, what God wants to do, here, so why, it seems easier if God would just, hey, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Just tell me what to do. But God doesn't want to do that. Why doesn't God want to do that? Because he wants you to feel the weight of what he's given you. Because it's a test. Do you feel the weight of the riches that God has put in your lap. Asceticism is a problem for some, but how many would agree that that's probably not the main problem in North America? Materialism is, is too much enjoyment. It's where we make a good thing the ultimate thing. It's where we take what God meant for us to enjoy. He wants you to enjoy what he's put into you. But it, that needs to roll up into worship to be like, man, God, you're awesome. So he says, don't put your hope in those things. Galatians 5.1 says that we are called to freedom. 
So we shouldn't come under this yoke of slavery like, you know, this is how you be a Christian. You spend this way, you parent this way, you eat this way, you do these kinds of things. No, you were called to freedom. But then it so helpfully says in, you know, 12 verses later in, in Galatians 5.13, but don't use the, the freedom that you've been given for an opportunity for the flesh. Don't make it an opportunity to make it about you. So I have all this money, so I must be awesome. And all this money is for me and I can just spend it and I can enjoy it and, 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 that, and it's all about me. No, it's not all about you. It's all about God. Don't make it, he's not kidding around. Don't be foolish. It says in Galatians 6, God will not be mocked. You'll, you will reap what you sow. To whom much is given, much is required. Are you viewing this, are you viewing your finances vertically? And are you spending carefully? Enjoy what God has given you. It is okay to enjoy what you have. It's okay to enjoy what you have. But then it, it says this, and I, I, if you could flip back to 1 Timothy 6, 6. Um, this is kind of where he wants, this is how we do it carefully. It's okay to enjoy it. We're supposed to enjoy it, but this is, this is what's really important. Now there is great gain in godliness with contentment. There's great gain in God. This is what's really key for, there's great gain in godliness with contentment, which means that your, that your standard of living does not equal your quality of life. Many of us believe that. I mean, we have to because we're Americans. We get, I love marketing people, but we, we get the message every day that if you would raise your standard of living, a better car, better TV, better Apple, whatever, you would, your quality of life would go up. We get that message every single day. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that there is great gain, not in your standard of living going higher. There's great gain in learning contentment with what you have. Your quality of life does not equal your standard of living. Wrestle with that. Not, I mean, not now. Do it, wrestle with that. that. Soak in that day after day. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Um, remembering that you came into the world with nothing and will leave with nothing. But if we have food and clothing, these, and these things will be content. Everybody here has got clothes on. Um, and... Uh, uh, we, we all had a meal or will have a meal today. And if anyone here doesn't, um, let me know and we will get you one. But if you have clothes and you have food, in these things we'll be content. That is challenge, that's challenging for me. Because I don't know that I believe that all the time. I believe more often than not that I would be content if I had, only if I had more. For we brought nothing into this world and we cannot take anything out of it. It just kind of highlights the fact that we, we didn't add anything to this equation and we're not going to take anything away when we leave. Because this isn't the real deal. This is just, this is, uh, um, this is a kind of a dress rehearsal for the life to come. 
But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmless desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. That sounds bad. That sounds really bad. We can enjoy, it's okay to be rich. It's okay to be rich. You could tell your, tell your neighbor it's okay to be rich. It's okay. It's okay. Here, it's not okay. It's not okay. You, you don't have to whisper it either. It's okay to be rich. It's not okay to desire to be rich. I hope you know the difference. I hope you know the difference. If God has, in his wisdom has made you rich, thank him for it. Enjoy it. Learn what it means to be rich and how to be rich great. But to desire to be rich is, um, leads to some bad stuff. This particular word for desire, there's, there's a couple of words that they use for desire in the Greek. And this one in particular means to purpose something to be so. That to, to want it, to plan for it, to organize it, to build your life around it, to pine after it, to, to make sure that it happens. Those who, who desire it and purpose to be rich... Fall into temptation, to a snare. I see the cheese. The cheese look attractive, but snap. It's a trap. It's a trap. They fall into temptation, to a snare. Check this out. Into many senseless and harmful desires. So this is what it is. Your mind has uh, drawers in it and it has many files and the files say, if I was rich, I would have this. If I was rich, I would have this. If I was rich, I would have this. And in your mind, there are all these kinds of files. If you shut the door of those files, outside would say, I want to be rich. If your mind is, thinks about what you would have if you're, if you're Finances were different and more. The Bible says that is signing up for a pain party. That that is to not desire. So if you know, you, you, you just, you've got pictures of a boat. You've got, you've got cars that you want. You've got Pinterest full of all the ways that you want your house. You just think about this stuff and you desire it. Bible says that that will plunge you into all kinds of destruction. Riches in themselves don't do that. Money is not good or bad. It's neutral. It's a tool. It's a test. Desiring to be rich. Either that you're rich and you'll do anything to keep it this way. Or... You, you want to be rich or richer and, you're, and, you, and you just, you're, you're after it. Now, I want to give you a few practical um, steps here in terms of how you could, um, sorry, I've got a new tool today, a new device, and I'm messing it up royally today. Sorry, guys. Um, I want to get, there's a few uh, things that I want to share with you that are kind of red light. This is, this is not from the Bible, but I think it's, there's biblical wisdom in this. This is mainly from me, and I just want to make sure when I say things like this that you understand the difference. Um, but I, I think that if you want to have a chat with me later, we can talk about the biblical wisdom in this. Here are some red light issues, meaning like if you, if you do these things, 
I think there's a high likelihood that you have a desire to be rich. And so these are red lights, like stop this immediately and go in another direction. Uh, Number one, you spend more than you make. Um, You spend more than you make. Uh, And by that, well, I'll get into that in a second. Yeah, yeah, you just spend more than you make. Uh, Secondly, you carry balances on credit cards. If you have a balance on a credit card that you are not paying off this much month, cut it up today and never use it again. You carry balances on credit cards and significant amounts on consumer debts. Now, consumer debts, um, that word consumer just means they're consumable, meaning like they don't have, they have a shelf life. They're not real estate. They're not education. Uh, they, are, they are things that uh, dwindle very quickly that you need a, 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 a warranty on, electronics and clothes and cars and boats and things like that. If you, consumer debt is the drunk driving of financial health. It is, um, and here's what's problem about debt, and this is why it's so destructive. This is why the desire, because God has given you a certain amount of money. Why he has given you that amount, I don't know. But he has. And what debt is, is I am not content with what God has given me. So I need to borrow money to get what I think I should have that God hasn't given me. And you totally like shortcut um, God's ability to give you what he wants to provide to you. It's living in this place of like, I'm not setting my hope on stuff. I'm not setting my hope on riches. I'm not, I'm trusting in God. What does it look like to trust in God and not to put my hope in riches? Well, one of the things it means is that you don't rack up a bunch of debt for what you need. Now, I know that there are some extreme cases where people have experienced hardship and you've gotten in debt for those reasons. But those are, those are uh, very extreme and you need to, you need to, um, you need to do that very, very, very carefully. Um, but you just, it's like a, a, a sport. I mean, spending is a sport. It's, it's just, yeah, with a signature, I'll get that. If you're in debt. Here's some yellow light. Um, your spending tracks your income. And let me show you this. This is... Um, for most people, this isn't always true, but your income, I know income doesn't go up in a straight line over, over your life. Sometimes it goes up and down like that. Sometimes it just flat lines, kind of like, but, um, but generally speaking, you know, the, the older you get, um, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, the income goes up. Now, if you're, uh, what, what it should be as your income goes up, um, your spending should, can go up, but it shouldn't go up as much as income. You need something called um, margin. Margin is um, the difference between what you make and what you spend. And actually, if you read through the scriptures in Leviticus, uh, which I know you love, in that um, it's, one of the things he says is like, hey, don't, don't consume all your crops. Leave, leave something around the edges. We'll talk about next week why that's true. But living in margin, because, but if you're, here's, what, here's the problem. If you're, in, you're spending tracks your income, just like that, um, you're going to come in, you, you're going to experience some problems practically. Number one, the more money you, you make, the harder it is to replace that income. So if you make $30,000, 
Um, I'm not belittling that amount, but there, it's not incredibly difficult to replace that job. If you make $100,000, that's a hard job to replace. But if your spending is always tracking your income. In fact, this is, a lot of, this is a big reason why a lot of people are in debt. is because their spending has always tracked their income. And then they lost their job and their spending never went anywhere. And now all of a sudden they're in all kinds of debt. So it's kind of like, well, it's the economy. Well, I, so, but if your spending is just right underneath your income and there's no margin, I would just say that that is a yellow light. Like you, you need to be careful. You, you may, because as soon as you get any money, you spend it. Because you, you want more and more stuff. It's not wrong to have stuff. Just wrong for stuff to have you. Um, you have no savings. So could, again, you just spend everything that comes your way. You spend it. Uh, you, you have no savings. Uh, one of the things that we do, uh, my wife and I, we've done this since we've been married, um, and we actually get our kids in, in this as well, is that we live on a, like a 10, 10, 80 rule. We, we give, first 10% we give away, the second 10% we save, and we live off the rest. Now we've increased the giving and the saving part over time. And I, I think that's only right because we, I think this is the way, I think doing it this way, if I can get there, is kind of how you want to be. You want that margin there. Um, see some, well, sorry. Um, the other thing, so we, this 10, 10, 80 rule, and this is something you can do with your kids. So our kids, we, we give them three jars because they're rich too. Do you know that? They're very rich. And they're growing up in a world too where they'll be even richer. And so you, I want to teach you how to be rich. And you need to teach them how to be rich. And this is one of the things you can do. You give them three jars. The first jar, you just write give on. And every time they get uh, a dollar, they put a dime in there. And then they put, an- put another dime in a, in a safe jar. And then they put the other eight dimes. And, th- and they can spend that. They get $10, $1, $1, eight. So... The give jar gets full, they come, they empty it out. The, the save jar, they save it, they take it to the bank, and they can spend the give jar. Teach them to create, mar- teach them about money, teach them that they should not spend everything that they get. And uh, because one of the things, so we need to view it vertically, we need to spend it carefully, and then what we'll get into next week is we need to give it generously. Because one of the things it says to charge the rich, it doesn't, again, it doesn't say rebuke them because they're just evil and nasty and we wish we all were rich. No, we are rich. We need, we, it says to charge them to not just to have riches, but to be rich in good deeds. And to, to learn what it is to give money away. That's another thing that is probably a, a red light, not just a yellow light, is that you just don't have any money to give to anyone else. Everything that you get comes to you. And again, this is something that you have to wrestle with personally. Uh, the Bible always works at the desire level. We tend to judge each other at the decision level, which means, well, why do they have this? And why do they have that? And that we don't want to judge each other because we don't know why. Only God knows why. And only you know why. For, for, and you need to ask God this question. So, um, but you have to wrestle with this in your heart and say, have my, is my heart, does it desire riches? And ask God that question. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what you think. What really matters is what God thinks. And he, loves to, he, wants to, he wants to draw you in. And you can ask him that question. Say, God, is, is my heart given to this? Can I be content? Do I, and, and then finally, do I understand what true riches are? 
What are true riches? Well, it says in, of Jesus in 2 Corinthians 8, it says that he who is rich became poor so that in our poverty we could become rich. That he gave his life away. He emptied everything that he was and he gave it all to us. That true riches is what Christ gives us uh, that he gave us through the cross. And he gave us, uh, he gave us this new life and he gave us this example that the way to life isn't in gathering possessions and spending possessions. But it's actually in giving your life away. He gave us that when he walked this earth. And so it's understanding what is truly important. So uh, my question for you is, like, have you, do you view finances vertically? Do you see that it, everything comes from God and that you're a steward, not an owner? And did, are you spending carefully? Yeah, enjoy it. Don't feel guilty, but be, don't forget to be grateful either. Don't get into asceticism. Don't get into like just denying yourself of, you know, it's okay to enjoy it. Just make sure that you worship God in light of that. But don't put your hope in riches. Don't desire to be rich. Don't pine. If you are rich, if God's made you rich and we agree that he's made us all rich, then, then accept that. This is a gift from God. Worship him in light of that. Thank him for that. And then next week we'll come back and we'll learn what it means to be generous.